0: Welcome to Tax Bites for Expats, the top tax tips you want to know as an expat. The podcast is here to help answer the common queries and concerns expats have when moving to or from Ireland. Complex taxes explained simply. We'll focus on the Irish
1: and international tax issues to be aware of to ensure you save time, money and stress. Hi, my name is Stephanie Wickham from expattaxes.ie. You're listening to the Tax Bites for Expats podcast, the show that explains the do's and don'ts of income taxes for people who are moving to or from Ireland. So welcome to Tax Bites for Expats. And today's episode, we are going to focus on an area that's become really relevant during the pandemic. And that's when somebody decides to come to work remotely in Ireland for their employer. And we've seen so much of this, it's, it's become very common that I think maybe Irish people who've moved overseas many years ago have decided that the time's right to come back and work remotely for their employer. And um, I suppose in the face of the great resignation and remote working generally, employers are much more open to the idea um, from what we can see in the market. So we're speaking to Laura Sand of CA Tax International, who we have spoken to before. Thanks so much for joining us again, Laura. No worries, Stephanie. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great to have you on again. And for anybody who hasn't listened to us before, uh, Laura's background is a very interesting one. Um, this is an area she specializes in. You work solely with expats in the UK, Laura, isn't that the case?
0: P- pretty much, yes. Anybody who's um, who's either come into or out of the UK um, yeah, as an expat um, and has kind of UK sources um, of income and UK tax reporting obligations that that's that's kind of my little area of special speciality
1: busy area so many people moving around the world now that the borders have reopened so um i suppose there's so much we could talk about and we we had a great chat the first time we caught up but today we'll focus very much just on these tax issues that arise when somebody you know has decided with their employer's approval that they're going to work remotely from ireland and the the employer is uk based Uh, I know you've lots of experience in this area, Laura, and we've lots to talk about. But I suppose maybe just to kind of set the scene from an Irish perspective, it would be good to kind of step through the issues that somebody needs to think about when they come to work in Ireland. And uh, what we generally see is that I think the key message is if you're coming to work in Ireland for a UK employer, if you've moved back, to ireland for you know permanently or for you know a longer period of time the expectation should be that you're going to start paying irish taxes so that, yeah. that that's probably the first thing it's, i think it's just best to kind of start with that isn't it you know in other words yes. that's that's really what today's session is about the method is in kind of the detail in other words the specifics of each individual's case really matter. And it's probably really important in this episode to stress that you do really need to get advice on this. But Laura, from your perspective, you know, we've set the scene, the Irish tax is the one that people need to be aware is coming for them. And I'll, I'll talk about that as we kind of go through it. But what are the things that you say to people when you speak to somebody? You know, maybe let's use an example. They say, you know, I've moved to Ireland. I'm working re- remotely in Ireland for my UK employer. What are my tax issues? What do I need to think about? Where do you start when someone says that to you? So
0: normally, if somebody is coming to me asking me those sorts of questions, um, the, the first thing that we'll, we'll talk about is where the income is considered to be sourced, because I think this is a big area of confusion with, with people. Um, the, the main reason being is, you know, there are, there are instances where it's very clear. Um, so for example, you have a UK employer, you're working in the UK, it, it's very clear that that income is based in the UK and the UK is going to want to tax it similarly if you've got an Irish employer and you're working in Ireland very clear that that Ireland's going to want to tax it but what happens if you have a situation where you are based in in Ireland working for a UK employer or vice versa um and a lot of people are under the misconception that actually that income would be considered to be sourced where your employer is so if you're in Ireland working for a UK employer they'll say well I have UK income um and and actually the um that source or well, that income is going to be considered to be sourced to where you are physically undertaking the work. So, if you are working in Ireland, it's a UK source of income. Um, the reason why that's important is it's because that will determine who has the primary right to tax that income, um, and and probably it kind of leads on um, to 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 your side, Stephanie, in terms of the Irish side and the fact that Ireland are going to want to tax um, that income um, at, the, at the at that point.
1: And you know, Laura, that's. I think it's really good to kind of, you you mentioned primary source, primary right there. And, you know, for anybody listening who hasn't got a tax technical background, this is a really interesting concept that kind of comes up very uh, often is that, you know, we don't need listeners to be experts on tax law, but it is possible. and. It, it, it often happens with many types of income and gains that both the location where the income is sourced and the location where somebody is tax resident, if those two places are different, can retain a taxing right on a source of income. I mean, that that's a fair point, isn't it? And it's I think yes. it's about understanding, for example, if you're working for an employer, you know, is the income only sourced in Ireland now? In other words, are you only going to be working in Ireland or? if you are planning to go back and forth to the uk is some of the income going to retain a uk source and then once we determine that we can understand then if both countries have the right to tax the income and, and how that's going to work
0: exactly and within the uk ireland double tax treaty there 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 is uh, an employment income article and within that there is um, what what we would in in the business would know as a short-term business visitors agreement um that could hypothetically exclude some some income from being taxable in the uk even if you're working in the uk however if your employer is based in the uk and it's the uk entity that is that is paying for your for your salary any uk work days that you undertake um you know as long as they're part of your regular job um, they are going to to remain taxable in the uk and I suppose that's where where lots of complexities can arise because that is where both the the, the UK, um, well, w- sorry, where the employer has has a need to report in both the UK and in Ireland.
1: Yeah, it's it gets a bit complicated. And um, you know, to kind of overlay it into, I suppose, a real life example. I know we've kind of collectively had quite a few, but what we've seen. And I think it's great to see it because you see people kind of taking some of the things that we all (laughs) learned the hard way during the pandemic, you know, wanting to maybe be closer to their family or not wanting a long commute daily or just kind of wanting to leave the city and move to a greener place potentially. Um, And a lot of Irish people and, and not necessarily just Irish, but, you know, maybe people who are wanting to move to Ireland from the UK have maybe moved outside the larger Irish cities they've bought a property they've sold their uk home and decided to kind of move their life to ireland and the conversation with the employer is is usually it's usually pretty good because the employer goes okay you know you've been with the company for x number of years we want to keep you and um, we will work with you this is fine and then what we find is the employee will approach us and say you know can i just deal with my taxes myself <laughs> And it's about then kind of guiding them to the fact that, you know, this is not just what you're going to do. It's also that your employer has a responsibility. And then the very first question I know I tend to ask them is, you know, are you going to be sitting in your new home in Galway working remotely from Monday to Friday for the UK employer, or will you get into the car on a Thursday evening, uh, go to the airport and fly to the UK to maybe be there on a Friday, you know, whatever way. Yes. So it's about kind of working out what's been agreed, what has the employer agreed to and what way is it going to look? And that helps us deal with the next issue that I think we were going to talk about, which was around, you know, reporting. How How is the employer meant to report income and where i I can talk about the irish bit in a second but from your perspective what do you see happening laura in that situation maybe where somebody's commuting back and forth to the uk so so
0: assuming that they um that the individual is going to be going to be commuting back to the to the uk then the reality is the employer still needs to be running some sort of a uk payroll now, if there's no kind of agreement in place with HMRC to do anything else, the, technically, they should probably be operating a standard payroll and withholding tax on on all of their um, employment income. Um, however, if they if they do that um, and they're also operating an Irish payroll, then the the person who's undertaking the relocation, your employee, um, they could then end up seeing virtually none of their income income. Um, Kind of on a real time basis, and then look at the end of the year to claim back loads of taxes from from both con- potentially from both countries. So, um, there are different options that are available depending on how much time the individual will be coming back. Um, as you said, we've we've dealt with a, a few different situations. Uh, between the two of us historically we have um some people where the agree there's normally an agreement in place with the employer the expectation is that maybe you'll return i I don't know maybe once every, every week for one day a week potentially you might return fortnightly maybe even once a month maybe even once every couple of months and depending on how long you are spending back and if there's a regular pattern to your returns um that is expected then it should be possible from a UK tax perspective to get an agreement in place with HMRC so that you are um so that the employer is only kind of processing an element of the the employment income on a real-time basis um so let's say for example the the plan is that you will be returning back once a week um, for one day a week and that's that's all you're going to do in the uk um so that's 20 percent of your of your work um is likely to be done in the uk then you the employer can apply something called a section 690 um direction from hmrc and can fundamentally then only look to tax 20 percent of your income at, at source um so there are kind of solutions that are available in the UK to try and minimise the the kind of the direct impact on the employee, um, the kind of the downside from from that perspective. And I'm sure later on we'll talk about what needs to happen at the year end. The sometimes the reality versus the expectation is is, is very different.
1: And it's this is I think this is practically a difficult thing. It's a difficult conversation to have with your employer if they're not expecting it because. You know, you've just hit on there the fact that, you know, there may need to be a UK payroll if there's UK workdays, and that can reflect the time that's been spent in the UK. From an Irish perspective, and we kind of touched on this at the start, really what we're saying to the employer or the employee is the UK employer now needs to register in Ireland to take Irish taxes. It, it's really as simple as that. When they need to do this is really a function of um, how long the employee is going to be here for. But broadly, if somebody's relocating to Ireland permanently, the employer needs to register at a point in time. And that involves them, um, it, it doesn't involve them having to necessarily set up an Irish company. This is kind of a misconception. that I think sometimes employers have, oh, I need to incorporate a company or, you know, register a branch. That's, that's not necessarily what revenue have an expectation on. Um, and I will include a little note there to say, this is very much a function of what the employee is doing as well. I mean, we're not even going to talk about some of the corporate issues that can arise, the corporate tax issues. If, if you've got somebody who maybe is in a decision-making capacity for the company, it can, can be slightly different but assuming that's not the case um you know an irish payroll needs to be set up that involves registering with revenue um, and ensuring you know if it's a monthly pay that there's a monthly payroll run in euro the you know essentially the tax needs to be transferred to revenue in euro so practically one of the questions that comes is okay so you know am i now essentially having tax taken from my salary That is in euro, but I'm being paid in GBP. You know, these little kind of gritty things that are a little bit difficult to kind of get a process in place, but not impossible. It's just more about understanding there's a little bit of legwork involved to get this up and running. And we're not even going to talk today about the other options. You know, we've seen lots of employer record uh, type arrangements on the market now, which are, Essentially, allowing the employer to, in some ways, outsource this problem. Um, And we might just do another episode on that. But I think on the topic of real time reporting, I would summarise what you said and my comments there as there needs to be payroll in Ireland, definitely. There might need to be payroll in the UK. And your employer, whether they like it or not, are going to have to do a little bit of legwork to make sure that they have a bit of a process you know in their payroll team to make sure this all works smoothly would you agree with that I
0: I would and I would also say I think in terms of that real-time reporting the obligation actually falls on the employer and not the employee um certainly from a from a from a UK tax perspective um so 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 yes I I would say that um realistically if you are an individual who is looking at this kind of setup you're considering relocating back to Ireland and want and want to get things right um you need to have a conversation with your employer um, yeah at, at the start to make to make sure that 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 they're not falling foul of any of their obligations
1: yeah oh definitely and from an Irish perspective you know Revenue are quite clear. They pe- they can penalise employers who don't do what they're meant to do. So we did see some leniency during the pandemic. That has that leniency is you no, know, it's not stated on Revenue's website anymore. And um, I personally think, and this is only my personal view, that when we look at the way legislation is written, not just in Ireland, within uh, the UK, and and kind of globally, you know, none of it really ever anticipated. Um, kind of the digital era that we live in now. You know, you look at obviously the OECD are doing so much work on kind of digital um, taxation and the concepts of, you know, where is value created at a corporate level. But for individuals now, did we ever envisage a time when you could live in Galway and log on five days a week for your London employer and potentially only have to show your face? Well, actually, you show your face on Zoom, but only get on a plane maybe twice a month. We just never saw it. And, you know, the people who wrote these tax treaties in the 60s and 70s well they definitely didn't see it so you know the the processes I think lag behind the reality and that's just common across all different types of government area it takes time for public policy and you know legislation to catch up with what's happening but hopefully I mean not today's topic at all but you'd hope in future it might get a bit easier (laughs) I hope it does.
0: Fingers crossed. I think as well, um, Stephanie, I think it's been accelerated by the pandemic. Um, if you think pre-pandemic, um, the majority of companies who would be, I suppose, fundally considering cross-border employment taxes, um, you'd be looking at multinational companies who would be working with um, the big four in order like on their global populations to ensure that things uh, kind of are being reported accurately whereas with the pandemic it's it's driven a lot of um, smaller employers to 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 go online to to be able to, to enable their workforce to work remotely because they had to um as a result of the pandemic and and i suppose it's one of those where as soon as people realize actually i can work remotely and certainly with the pandemic people wanted to be close to their families they wanted to get um back to generally to, to, to their home country so they were near to people in case anything should happen um it, it makes sense that that that's probably sped up this process yeah all far fast far faster than uh, those that write double tax treaties and the likes um, <laughs> yeah. would, 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 would would have
1: would, would have kept up with and, and i often think as well i mean just from a purely human perspective you know When you speak to an employee and an employer, because, you know, we work with employers as well who who want to do this. You can see everybody wants this to work. That's the thing. And I often say to people when they kind of, you know, arrange a consult with us, I say, you know, you're not on your own. People often feel like, oh, you know, this is just such a mountain to climb. It's not actually that difficult with the right help. It's just really about taking your situation being clear about what's going to happen in Ireland and in the UK and having a bit of a process and having something that um essentially is, is going to help the whole process work smoothly that's in my mind and then yes. that lends itself to the next point we were going to talk about which is the year-end bit you know what what's your thoughts on what happens yes. at the year-end I definitely have comments on that but what are yours?
0: so i I think i mean once again taking from from past experience we we've had people who maybe we were having conversations with in 2020 about their plans to relocate um and at the time they had made agreements with their employers that they would maybe i don't know say do 20 percent of their work back in the uk so the employer's been um On a real-time basis, they get the agreement and and basically once the agreement is in place, they generally, from a UK side anyway, have to operate per that agreement. They can't kind of mix it up. Um, However, and in the majority of instances I've been seeing, while the agreement has maybe been 20% of the time would be spent working in the uk maybe there's only been a handful of days actually spent in the uk so what that means is that um in the uk or the kind like of real-time basis the uk is actually a, like taxed a decent chunk of um, somebody's salary whereas the reality is um only a few of those physical uk workdays should have been taxed so it's your employer's obligation to to do things right per, I guess, the UK and the Irish tax authorities, it's then the employee's, um, the individual's obligation to get things right at the end of the year. So a reconciliation is going to be required. Um, and as I say, in the majority of instances that I've been seeing, normally what that will mean from a UK tax perspective is you would then file a tax return to, to, to demonstrate that actually a big chunk of the income that has been taxed at source shouldn't have been taxed at source and and, and therefore from a UK to side um you do a refund um which which sounds good but I'm guessing once you've talked about the Irish side Stephanie will yeah you'll find out it isn't necessarily
1: <laughs> quite it, so advantageous this is where I think particularly at the moment where we're kind of seeing a lot of these rearrangements kind of you know the rubber's hit the road, so to speak. In other words, the processes for some employers are up and running and now we're into tax returns. That, that refund that you're talking about is probably due to the Irish Revenue Commissioners. So you don't want the employee yes. to get too excited and go, oh, I'm getting a refund. And firstly, you want them to have the refund back before they have to settle anything in Ireland. So, yes, you know, timing is crucial because, you know, I generally find... And this is probably something the listeners to this episode will think is, you know, what does the client want to know? Well, the first you want to know, can I do this? Yes, you can. A bit of work required by your employer, potentially by you to bring them to the party. Secondly, what's it going to cost me? Well, simply... Push, you're going to start paying taxes in Ireland at the Irish rates. So the refund that we're talking about in the UK, we anticipate is going to need to go towards an Irish liability. That's essentially what the comment is there. And then thirdly, yes. I would say, you know, don't underestimate how frustrating this can be if you leave everything to the last minute. And the reason I say that is, you know, we had yes. a chat yesterday about how long it can take to get refunds of foreign tax or tax back from the UK. I know yes. revenue at the moment are the same, not issuing refunds particularly quickly um, of course there's due diligence that they're doing behind the scenes but the point being approach this in a timely manner and you'll find it a lot less stressful that's what I would say to clients if they exactly, exactly. And, and I think there is there
0: is plenty of time um so from a UK tax perspective um you can file tax returns straight after the end of the tax year so from the 6th of April onwards and am I right in thinking Stephanie that the Irish tax liability wouldn't be due until back end of october
1: yeah and i think that's a kind of a little bit of a difficult question to answer definitively but in terms of whether there should have been a withholding at source on it in the first place but if an individual is settling settling a tax liability that they have on an irish tax return the tax return is due by the 31st of october in the year following the Irish tax year which is calendar based so a disconnect there between the Irish and UK years and this is where I think having two advisors work together you know what you really want is somebody to kind of take this off your desk and to work with a UK partner so that they work out the timing and you know essentially what needs to be paid to who so that you as a client aren't left with a tax bill that you hadn't anticipated and that needs to be funded at short notice for example.
0: Exactly, and um, I'm sure you'll you'll be aware, Stephanie, working with with different uh, jurisdictions as well. Um, there's very much certain times of year where you get busy with clients from particular countries um, in order to kind of get their them sorted so they can get their refund in 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 time to settle any liabilities owing. Mm,
1: definitely, yeah. The fun and games. Um, That's it. <laughs> so I think, I mean, we're, we're, we're nearly up on time, but, you know, social security, and actually before I even say this, I think it's really important to be really clear here that this is focusing very much on a very small part of this topic, which is the cross-border income tax piece we're going to talk about social security now but I often say to people too you know there's lots of issues that arise when somebody works remotely for a foreign employer under a foreign employment contract and you know insurance issues potentially GDPR health and safety employment law you know an area I am not an expert in and, and one I don't provide advice in but the point is you know it's it's easy to focus on you know the cash part here and forget about the other issues and that's something that an employer needs to do you know they need to and they would do that generally if they sent somebody to work in a new location which is essentially what's happening here but an area we do talk about social security and that was one of the topics we wanted to mention Laura
0: yes and i think it's probably only worth a very quick mention but um obviously if if payroll is being processed in both countries i suppose the starting point unless any agreement is reached um is that um social security or national insurance would be payable um in, in both countries the the reality of that is 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 not that that you wouldn't be paying it in both countries there is an agreement in place between the uk and ireland Um, and and as a a general rule of thumb you would end up paying um your social security in the country in which you live so um usually there's a bit of a bit of administration just to kind of get yourself set up Um, and uh stephanie from a from an irish perspective would you say that would fall on your the employer again to pay social
1: security here yes of course
0: no no, oh, no to get the sorry i was i was thinking, more thinking along the lines of the the a1 certificate
1: oh right yes so essentially in and look this is an interesting point because you know the protocol between ireland and uh, the uk to the extent that we're looking at A1 certificates is sometimes talking about like a posted worker and I suppose there's a question as if an employee has initiated a move are they in reality a posted worker and is A1 really due perhaps slightly technical question but um, I generally anticipate or see that if somebody's moving from the UK ireland that the employer would start to pay into the irish system and the employee would also do that but obviously that's a function of you know the length of time they're coming for i mean again it's like everything isn't it it's facts and circumstances one point i do generally say is the irish employer rate of prsi which is the equivalent to national insurance is lower isn't it than the uk one it's 11 roughly 11 percent here yes yes It is, Um, 13.8% at this precise moment. I think they've just changed it back. Yeah, so in one of their weekly budgets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so quite a lot to what we've discussed and loads more that we could talk about. But um, to boil it down, I would say if somebody wants to walk away from this episode with a little bit of a distilled summary of what we've discussed, I would say, Laura, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you know, get advice from someone who's done this before. That's what I would say to somebody because the amount of time and money that can be wasted trying to bring parties to the table who are not familiar with this process um, is, yeah, it's it's a bit mind-boggling how complicated it can become, but how simple it can be with the right advice. And then... The second point that I think you brought out really well was, you know, the payroll considerations and the withholding on that are really the employer's responsibility. The employer can never pass that to the employee um, in an employment arrangement. And that, you know, essentially, as you very well brought out in the UK, the employee needs it to be right at the end of the year. And they would be doing a UK tax return to kind of sort that out. I think that was your point on that front. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, you know, even if the employer has registered, when they do that tax return, there might still be a balance due at the end of the year. You know, and whether that's in Ireland or the UK, it's really just a function of the facts. But ultimately, that's the message. And I think what I have said, hopefully it's clear, is if you were resident in Ireland, it's the Irish tax rate is the one that, you know, you want to focus on. That's the cash cost of, of living and 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 working in Ireland, in the majority of cases, with some small exceptions. Um, but yeah, I think that's it, Laura. I mean, lots to talk about. um I know your contact details will be in yes, the show notes. Yes,
0: yes. Been, it's been, been lots
1: of fun. Yeah, um, <laughs> as <laughs> far as I <that> can be. <laughs>
0: yes, um, and I suppose the very last point is just: it, it is possible to do it if if it's an option that you're currently considering, um, but it's not necessarily going to be, um, you know. yeah a piece of cake you there's going to be a little bit of work involved in terms of getting everything set up yeah
1: exactly exactly Uh, thank you so much i will obviously do it again but um really appreciate you joining us and hope you have a good day thank you thanks for having me
0: thanks for listening to tax bites for expats please do leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast And as always, remember to take professional tax advice specific to your personal circumstances before acting or refraining from action in connection with the matters dealt with in this series. The material in this podcast is intended to give general guidance only.